right, well, this is the EGS podcast. Uh, I am Tom, and joining me today is Jason, who is going to be my co-host for the rest of these podcast episodes. Uh, we are a small indie development studio uh, based in Suffolk, England, um, and ideally we just wanted to make this podcast just so we can talk about what's on our mind and what things that we think certain listeners might want to hear. Um, but the main thing that we want to talk about in this episode is, is going to university for game design worth your time and money? Specifically, three years and £30,000. Um, now, it's worth noting that we started university in 2020, I believe. Um, so that was sort of at the height of COVID. And it seemed to be very, very online at the start and arguably still is in certain areas. Yeah, they haven't really kind of gotten over that initial hit that COVID did for us. And I think the schools mm. initially, you know, because we were in that impasse of the schools just at the end of their, that, that year were finishing and they went into COVID, they got all locked down. And then just as we came into uni, we got hit with the, mm. the next lockdown and we were sort of trying to do a course online now you take in comparison the online courses that are there i think they're a fraction about a third of the price about three grand a year does our university do those as well or do you mean just like open no this university? is like the open university okay. type thing yeah. <clears throat> but when you're paying nine and a half grand and you've been transformed and not admittedly not their fault and they've got to do of the course, best with what course. they got at that time but you are given the online experience and you're not really given the face-to-face it's surprising how initially it felt quite uh like they knew this was coming but it felt like they had no idea that they were going into lockdown Hmm. um and maybe you can argue that like none of us really knew what was going on with it did we this thing kept sweeping across definitely the the world and then eventually got to. well no one had like the right answer at the time and and we were sort of doing the best that we could with the information we had at the time Mm. and i think everyone was kind of in that boat but it was the part that i that always sticks with me is that it's still nine and a half thousand pound a year thereabouts but it got transformed into a netflix subscription (laughs) and we're still paying the same amount as if we went there in 2019 when none of this happened it was exactly the same price that's the thing if anything this is something that they could have thought about and looked into and they maybe should have done this a bit more reactionary and i think this may be a question of like should the lecturers be given more control over the courses because if this is coming from higher up and they're saying no you've got to do it this way get on with it you're you're working with nothing really aren't you and you're struggling Mm. to just because the lecturer's job is to teach us they've got to teach us the best way they can but providing a three-hour talk through the screen is not going to engage anybody especially yeah. when all you're doing is giving people tutorials giving people slides presentations and all the information's on them presentations i could have read that myself yeah if i need if i don't need you to read off a presentation what you've already given me but this is where you take it to the next level so for instance give the presentation go through the slides and say look at this in your own time we're going to now break out into some groups and mm. talk about topics. I mean, we've talked about this before so many times that discussion needs to be a key element to get 
the students into the mindset of what student, uh, university means. It's more like it's, a dynamic learning. Yeah, it, well, it's yeah. this critical thinking, isn't it? That mm. you're, you're questioning and you're challenging these set-in-stone ways to then make sure... Because that's the thing. If you question something, you will either define it as an exact truth or something that you believe, or you will deny it and find something else. Yes. That's the point. You know, if, if 10 people say this is the best way to do something and you challenge it, you will either find they are correct or you will find that they are wrong and you'll find something else. And that's where innovation comes from. Exactly. As well, the amount of times scientific innovation comes from peer review, mostly. Mm. And something like Tesla being open source is the example that we've spoken about a couple of times privately, where they will have... Um, and a lot, in fairness, a lot of tech companies are, are doing this, yeah. but they will have a new area of innovation that they've found, and then they will just sort of release that either to the world or release that to other professionals in that industry, and then other people take that and go, oh, but that would be great if, and it's that, that would be great if is what leads a lot of this innovation, and it feels like from conversation is something that we could use with the university, having that kind of discussion, maybe debates, areas of topics that we do on a weekly basis. The thing is as well, it's like the fact that these things are open source and available to other people, it is encouraged to then, if you can do it better, please do. Mm. Mm. And that's something that so should be the norm because I'm a, I'm a single person that can sit here and make something. But I don't know if that's the right way to do it or the best way yeah. to do it until somebody else tries to do it too. Yeah. And again, like you said, the peer review and stuff like that, we, we question this all the time. So why are we going to university and working on our own in a project? Yeah. One of our assignments was making a game design document to then, on an next assignment, create that game in groups. But we were left to make the game on our own. Everything that we did, where we broke the game down, we tried to build this eight-week project, we only had ourselves and our lecturer as the, the sort of the people to go, oh, is this good or is this bad? Yeah. And something that I found is that because the way the course was structured, there really wasn't enough time to kind of actually look through and check and uh, actually see if this was, uh, where this was going wrong and where it needed to be improved. And then building from that to yeah. get that good goal, that object at the end that was going to be easily created. And we've said this before, where if you instead work in a pair, yeah. you've got that peer review, you've got that reflection. And you, yeah, you still might have that same issue where we might be stuck on this idea. And this, something that generally happened during our course, and I remember this a couple of times, a card game being created during group projects. Now, our group project course for the audience is an eight-week cycle of a group of maybe four or five people, which you don't always get a programmer, so you got to hope yeah. or fingers crossed or hope you can kind of rig it together and jerry-rig it sort of thing. <clears throat> but you got five people, eight weeks, make a game. Now, for those that have actually made a game, that is a tough order. Yeah. You're not going to get very many mechanics. You're going to get a very simple game. Especially with a bunch of students with no real actual experience as yeah. well. And scoping for that and designing for that is a big task in itself. Because 
we're all, we're all guilty of it. We all love, oh, I'm going to make the next GTA, or of course, <laughs> <laughs> or I'm going to have this feature, that feature. We talked about before, feature creeping yes. is a massive yeah. issue in the industry. Especially for creative people. Mm, indeed. And you need that real back, but really in that mind, and this is something that happens in game development, is you, you do two weeks of design, then you review yeah. it. Two weeks of design, review yeah. it. And that course went four weeks of... Um, lectures constant this is what you got to learn yeah. about this is what you got to talk about these are the emotions you can invoke these are the subjects that you can utilize yeah. these are the, these are the ways to become a good designer yeah. which is great but it wasn't till the fifth week that we learned what a yeah. game design document was um, we spent one session breaking down i think it was asteroids and then we never really kind of put that yes. into practice yeah. we were then told now create a GDD for your next and even assignment. if they segmented the GDD that we then have to work on but just to translate a GDD or a game design document for the audience as essentially like a user manual of the game and how to actually create the game and myself I'm a designer I'm not a programmer so I, I think about the front end of a game and what it will kind of look like what it would sort of play like but I've got no idea how to program that I don't know what goes into the back end of that so what I would end up doing is making uh, a document of the design of the game and think oh my god it's going to have this and then it's going to make this sound effect when you reload and and all that kind of thing is but the problem is you need to be able to give that document to a team of people and they should be able to read it and know step by step what to do to actually create the game and if we was partnered with a programmer and you had that front end and back end perspective then both of you could collaboratively work together to sort of reel back that sort of I'm get I'm getting out of control here because I want to have this system over here and there's going to be there's going to be five different planets right so we're going to have to make that hang on what what hang on slow down let's bring it back so you need that you need that yin and yang and the fact that we was doing that on our own with yeah. let's face it a very little understanding of what a game design document yeah but this is our, this was our first time ever looking at a game design document. And we're treat as students like we're professionals that know what we're doing. Yes. Now I'm. I, I understand you're at uni. You expect some level of agency. You expect to be left on your own and get mm -hmm. on with it. Mm -hmm. But there needs to be, and I think this is something the uni lacks a lot. And maybe this isn't the same for other people, but it lacks the ability to keep on top of people with giving them that agency. Yes. Scheduling in those weekly meetings, fortnightly meetings as a one-to-one -one or a group meetup, and we did this in our group project so they they know to do it yes but yeah. doing that with all the assignments i mean we've talked before about like these these lectures go from we'll have a seminar in the morning where we'll just listen to the the lecture and maybe we'll have a task where we do a bit of talking or we write something and then we'll tell him what we've tell them what we've wrote and mm -hmm. and we get a bit of feedback but that's all we do and we wouldn't even start the assignment until three weeks in. And so realistically, you need this tangent of here's the learning stuff where you start every week, you learn something and you obviously leave them less important stuff, the less crucial stuff towards the end. But you learn something new and we go into depth about it and we maybe even have a debate about it yeah. to encourage that. You, you argue this side, you argue that side. Let's, let's talk together. Let's communicate. Let's 
share our thoughts. Because common ground and somewhere in the middle is generally the right answer and where mm. most things actually build from. Yeah. And then in that evening, in that, ne- that next lesson, you actually go straight to this is the assignment. And maybe in that first week, you're just going over the brief. You're trying to understand exactly what the lecture mm-hmm. is trying to expect from you. But then week by week two, you should be reviewing that first paragraph that you're going to write or that beginning, talking about it, discussing it and talking about maybe different things that do that and how that works. So let's take, for instance, I know we did an essay on um, prospect refuge theory. Yes, that was was a good one. That was a very good one. Just translate that for anyone listening. Is, the, is sort of the feeling where if anyone's walked in London and you're not from London and you stand next to a skyscraper and you look up, that overwhelming feel of feeling of domination from this massive skyscraper and it makes you feel so small like an ant um, is sort of part of this. And prospect would be the view and then refuge will be like the safety area. So a game that has like a big monster, let's take Godzilla as an example, you would want to have like your little bit of shelter and then you really need to think about just how big this monster is and that kind of thing and, and that type of theory it's is the prospect refuge. The threat of danger, but you are still safe. That's so, a yeah, good yeah. way of putting it, yeah. So so we had that as a, a topic to talk about. Now that that's you, you you go through, you, you, you have the, le- the lecture, you have the person talk to you about it, you have some question and answer and you have a bit of debate and then you go away the next week and you write about it. Yeah. And you might quote some papers, you might research here, there and everywhere and you write this paragraph and then the next week you again have that morning one where it's we'll learn about something new and maybe, maybe that's what you learned about in the morning was Prospect Refuge. Mm. So in the evening you actually began to look at maybe some citations or whatever and um, some work that used it and reviewing it. Mm-hmm. So the next week, you've got that paragraph, you've written your first paragraph for your assignment and you've gone, right, I've written this, how is it? Yeah. And this might be better that you organise one-to-ones or maybe smaller groups and that, just to be able to actually yeah. sit down and have that time. Because in a classroom of like 30 people, it's very, very difficult to raise your hand and put all the attention on you, especially with 30 introverts that we found we were. Um, No one wants to put their hands up. No one wants to ask the questions, but I I guarantee it, everyone's got questions. Those burning questions, yeah. yeah. And making it them smaller groups where we can actually have conversations and talk about it, review your work so that, yeah, you might not next, the following week, because you might go on to the next section, the next paragraph, but you'll at least have some feedback to then adjust that first paragraph. Yeah. And then by the end of it, once you've gone, say, four or five weeks, maybe you've got like a 2,000-word a essay, so you've got maybe four or five paragraphs. Yeah. So four or five weeks in, you've written your initial paragraphs, you haven't got your introduction or your conclusion, but then you you do a whole... Six, that's, your, that's when you start doing your first draft. Now, yeah. I can say this stuff in hindsight. Yeah from our course but never was that ever mentioned of a good way to do it but it's interesting because it's not like the university can't do that no because they did for our board game module 
that was a constant um we had to that whole board game module was not necessarily on the mechanics of board games as a whole mm. it was more about the iterative process and the fail faster method which i'm sure we'll mention later in this podcast as well um but that iterative process was you start building this little aspect of something and just see if it works or not and then you'll write maybe i don't know what the maths would break down to but let's say one tenth of your final assignment would be this because you're trying to answer one question and the idea is that by the time you get to your tenth time of doing that you should be able to put all of those sections together and then that's pretty much your entire assignment you go over it and polish it so it all flows well that kind of thing Um, but it was generally more structured because I'm sure any student or any professional in general that's listening to this has had those moments where you have a big assignment or a task or something to do for a client perhaps and you leave it all to the last minute or you've only got one or two weeks left and now you've got this this absolutely dominating task that you need to do whereas this way it was sort of really broken down yeah and you could build from it quite well every week you start the next paragraph and you, you didn't mm. go necessarily you might have gone back to it in yourself because again this is the thing where it is you led if you've got yeah. your feedback on that paragraph, you can make that time and put that time aside and adjust it and go, yeah, now that's a good paragraph. I'll leave it and review it later on again. But you went through it and then by the end of maybe six weeks, you had your first draft of an essay. And in like, I think we experienced this more in our dissertation thing. So for the audience benefit, your dissertation is a year long project. Um, and people did leave it to like the last few months 100%. before they knew what they were doing. But I saw people got like two months before the deadline and they still didn't even know the topic or the area that they was going to go into really. And it was just you're shooting yourself in the foot. But the question is, is that the student or is that the uni's fault or is it somewhere in between? I, well, this is the thing. I personally think it's definitely somewhere in between. Mm. Because as much as you can say university is this three years of in the first year, we'll hold your hand a little bit. We'll kind of show you the ropes, get you used Naturally. to everything. Second year, we'll let back a little bit and get you to kind of do it by yourself. And in the third year, we take the reins completely off and leave you to it. The problem with that is one, you're coming out of school, and school doesn't give it complete agency. I, I think there's a lot more free subjects when you're doing sixth form and college and stuff, where there's your own time sure. to get on your projects. But agency is never really pushed until no, you, this high-end level of university. Exactly. And you're, you're kind of... Someone's always there to help you. Someone's always yes. trying to feed you information so that as you're going along on this project, as you're doing your work, you've got someone there helping you. And that's something that the university can't just, at a drop of a hat, stop doing. So I, don't, I think this is the where they need to look at it as like they're not always holding your hand, but all, what they're doing is setting up the player agency, or the, the personal agency. Because, for instance, if I schedule in time for you to be working on your assignment in the university and I say that it's mandatory, you need to turn up and clock on, and there are ramifications and things like that, you turn up, you use that time to do your work, and you use that time to have peer review. Mm. Whereas we experienced it quite a lot of the time, and this is a, what led us to the question of, like, is it worth going to uni? We spent maybe six hours a week in lectures and had four days, three, four days, 
of get on with it. Now, if you're a 19, 20 year old person and you're being told like a lot of people are, the university experience is go out, have fun, get drunk, <laughs> have yeah. parties. You're not spending your time doing your work. Yeah. And then you are encouraged to these situations where you, you're just like, oh, I've only got two weeks to hand in this Especially thing. Especially if you're at the accommodation of yeah. the uni, that's heightened massively. Yeah, something we've talked about before is, um, and this is something I've learned a lot over when I've thought about mental health and that, you need to separate your bedroom from your office. Where you do your work should not be where you sleep. <clears throat> and you don't have that availability at the university in on them campus grounds because you're given such a small poxy room to sleep in and then you've got to do your work in there. So scheduling in this time where you can actually go to the university where you can do sit down and focus on doing your work. And I will say the university has that availability. And they have really good resources. Yeah. Like the computers, the ultra-wide monitors, the actual office space. They expect you to decide... To go and do that mm. they don't set it up and this is the thing you're not manipulating and controlling and being in charge of somebody by giving them the space and the t- dedicated time you're being in translation a boss mm. which is what university is supposed to be that next stepping stone into you go from school where you're very much told everything monitored all the time to this slightly independent and when you get to a job your boss expects you to do the job and complete it in the amount of time. Especially in like professional fields yeah. as well. But yeah. you've got to understand that when they're at uni, we're not these experts that know how to do the job that should be getting on with it. Even going into like a introductory role, mm. when you become like a junior programmer, a junior designer, you're never given a task and just left to get on with it for two weeks. Very true. You're 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 given to somebody in the sense of like you're gonna shadow this guy, work with this guy for a few weeks, and as we build your confidence, we'll eventually get you into doing. It. And it's usually by the, the the time you stop becoming a junior that you actually start doing the work yes. on your own. Yeah. But again, this is something that we both felt at uni is like they were trying to push you into that role. Mm. We we experienced it ourselves. We had this um, group projects course where. A group of five, I mean, we ended up having seven, which was a pretty big group, all things yes. considered. Yeah. Um, and we got to about the week six, and one of the lecturers came in and just talked down to us like we were professionals. Yeah. One thing was wrong with the game, and so the whole thing was burnt proportion, and we weren't, he wasn't going to sit there and review the game. And he didn't point. even get past the main menu because no. that was the issue. For Just for context, for the audience, our main menu was almost like a joke that we would use internally. Um, and one thing led to another, and we ended up just almost forgetting that that was still the main menu. But it's worth noting, the main menu still functioned like a regular menu. It, there wasn't anything wrong with it other than the aesthetics. Yeah, and if you were maybe a AAA company, you would have said, that's not acceptable. But an indie company, I, I mean, I mean, coming as like a gamer, yeah. like I'd pick up a game and go, that is a terrible art piece for a main menu. But I'll move on and play the game. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. as much as yeah, you might in the back of your mind judge that. Yeah, you're not gonna hold the whole game's experience yeah. down. I mean, to I'm playing. I'm playing Starfield currently, and at least in my opinion, I think it's a quite a good game. But the menu of that is really bad, mm. really awful. It's just bare bones. It looks like, I guess, a little bit joke here that maybe some people will get and others wouldn't. If you imagine a programmer doing a design job. 
<laughs> it's very functional, very to the point. Look, does what it says on the tin, but there's no aesthetics. Translating that is it. It's it's function over um, function over form. Yeah, yeah. And it might not look pretty, but it will do the job. You've got your play button. Yes. You've got your yeah. quit button. You've got your help menu. But there's no artwork, there's yes. no colours, there's yeah. no knives font and that, something appealing for the eyes. So yeah, he didn't get through that main menu and click start game. He saw the menu, mm. had a go at it basically, like a go at us, yep. or specifically a, a specific member of the team, and then got up and left, yep. rather than actually playing the game. And another tutor, the other lecturer came over, basically felt sorry about this and was just like, yeah, I'll play the game for you. And then he stepped in and that was, it, no but other word, cringe. That should not have, <laughs> that should not have happened. This not is a all. university, you expect, like, when, when people go through so much effort to become a educational professional, yeah, their job is no longer the expertise of being the best game developer or the best artist or the best pianist, you are a teacher. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll admit the saying, if you can't do, teach, is a nasty way of looking at it. Yes. Because it really downplays yeah. someone's 100%. abilities. But if you're in that teaching environment, you are no, you should no longer be thinking about yourself and how well you should be thinking doing. about how to translate to someone else yeah but also you should be trying to inspire and build these other of people course. into professionals yeah. yeah and again this may be something i'd love to hear from other people about it like our experience was that we we felt like we had some lecturers that were there for their own benefit they were there to mm. collect their wage or they were there to enhance their career or they were there to do their research yeah they weren't there to support the students that they were um they were helping and building mm. and it's this thing that i think we've talked about before um of it um is that i don't think half the teachers knew half the students names you should really be making an effort to know every single student and what they want to aspire And to. I almost want to, to caveat that by saying perhaps it was because everything was so online at the start, because it was so impersonal. But at the same time, when something is online, your username is there all well, the time. This is the thing. Because I... we don't wear a, hello, my name is Tom badge every day, <laughs> but you have a username attached to whenever you but speak I can't online. excuse that, because I think, mm. I think, if anything, when we went online, we had an opportunity. So for for starters, being online means no one's got to travel. No one's got to worry yes. about um, petrol, whether they're going to get parking, whether they're going to yeah. get there. You just time. wake up you two just, minutes before the lecture, yeah. maybe one minute. And the biggest problem is just not, one, not keeping people engaged, but then also you have the opportunity to schedule in these one-to-ones mm. or maybe even just smaller groups. Like if they'd have gone to that next level and said, well, we're now all online let's maybe do five students at a time and we'll have more sessions but keep it a bit more condensed then you're actually going to get that individual like contribution and people are going to one like we said earlier be more likely to talk up and speak because there's less of a anxiousness about all oh, this 30 people and i'm going to make a fool of myself and i'm going to say something stupid that everyone else clearly knows and understands and then secondly you're in, you're getting that 
connection you're getting that individual communication where it's like now i learn who you are yeah and again this is something that electra needs to do is go what do you want to aspire to become mm. you know and if, if you're sitting there saying well i don't know then build on that yeah talk about the the different areas i mean certainly we've spoken about again we say this quite a lot something we've spoken about before this is one of the reasons we've we known are. each other for a while <laughs> <laughs> um it's like we only really got to learn about two roles programmers designers yes and uh, programmers is a great role it's much needed in the industry i cannot they are the backbone of the industry 100 percent. but designers is such a there's too many of them it's very broad and it's such good top like position to either start in other places and then come back to becoming a designer because Take, for instance, you go into a new company. Let's say there's a AAA company that's really big. They're going to take you on on a junior role. They're probably going to put you in somewhere like level design, for example, audio, animation, because that's where they're going to need someone. Yeah. They're going to be filling them roles constantly. And once you've been there for a couple of years, then you might become a designer. But ultimately, you are not leaving university and becoming a designer. True. And all them other roles, like the producer role, is a mm. role that just baffles my mind that if, you are, if you're serious about being a designer, I would honestly say look into being a games producer. Yeah. Just for context for people, a games producer is somebody that um, they're, they're involved mostly with like the higher end, the, the, the people that, that make the game, that develop the game in the sense that they decide, they go through a meeting and they decide what tasks need to be done in the next week or two and then they take that to the teams like for instance the animators or the level designers and then they give them tasks out offer any guidance support or is this achievable is this you know is this going to be your week's work or do we need to schedule some more and do you need what what do you need to get this done for example if a level if a an animator needs the concept artist done or the concept artist needs to be done before the artist can get done. Yes. And it all works. Someone needs to be translating between all the teams yeah. and effectively is the glue that holds it all together. Exactly. To make sure the game is cohesive by the end. Yeah. But something that I, I thought was quite smart when we got learned introduced to that role and this was literally late, late in the end third of year. our third yeah. year, exactly, is that that role allows you to branch into other roles. Mm. This person in particular would want you to become a level designer. Now, obviously, they've done the design and they've they've done that whole course. They've, and they've got some idea of what level design might be and they probably could competently do it. But they haven't been able to get that role. Within this company that they were a publisher for, uh, not publisher, sorry, a producer, <laughs> two different roles, um... They were working quite commonly with the level design and they kept talking to their line manager and saying, is it possible? And they, you know, again, it's a conversation to be had that, yeah, down the line, if a position becomes available, you can apply for it. Yeah. If you want those roles and a producer role, it's very taxing. I don't think it's an easy job to do. True. Um, I don't, I, but it's, it's a role that if you are a designer or if that's the course you're on, a producer role is probably something you should be looking at. Yeah. Because that is the first step, I think. Because especially junior producer roles is such a common thing that I've seen. The job applicants and yeah. that. Like, yes, level designers, there's probably just as many animations, artists, concept work. Well, I don't think... Stuff. I At least when I heard about it, I didn't see... 
just how entry level that job can be for people as well because it is an entry level management job realistically but it dips your toes in enough of the areas to sort of learn what goes into like all the different areas but when we're game designers and we start thinking about our careers a lot of the time when someone says about where to start QA or quality assurance is usually the one that comes up testing games constantly so if it was let's say grand theft auto they would have um, a building in the game and this building is going to be a 30 minute gameplay sequence and we need to make sure that the explosion happens at the right time and no one falls through the floor because it's buggy and you need to just keep playing that area constantly and try to break the game as a player and then write all of your feedback and then give that to the programmers and designers so then they can start you know, fixing those problems. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the area that a lot of us were told that's where you start and then you kind of go up from there. But the producer allows you to speak to every team as you're saying yeah. and introduce you into more of the management aspects as well. And I had no idea there was even not only an area, but an area that a junior can go into. Yep. Again, I think this is something we've talked about and this is more of a unique experience to what we did. Mm. And we can definitely defend them a little bit by saying that COVID COVID was a difficult thing to deal with. Yes. But we didn't have any experiences like visiting studios, mm. any kind of... We had some talks and one of our subjects that was an optional one and that may have been the issue because it was optional, um, it got cut short. And for us, especially because we were trying to design and start a company, this was all about yes. creating yeah. that first company and what you're going to need, what taxes are, what IP is and what legal stuff you're going to need to do. And we kind of got cut short because there wasn't enough people to attend. Yeah. And I know that the university has since started looking into rectifying that and changing it. But this is something we've always said about, isn't it? It's like... It's a great. They're now looking at it. Yes. Thanks for yeah. the at the end. Once I finish my yeah. degree, you're now making improvements. But the end result is, you know, it's not just university. It is a business, and we are paying for its service. So if we was paying nine and a half grand for that year, and then a module that myself and you would have gotten great benefit out of, and we really needed to hear those, and we was. We attended each sort of lecture so early just so we could talk to people and we hung around for a while. And for that to be cut short because of a lack of attendance, which then, I don't want to cause anything, but I think some people didn't want to join that. I would guess more from the student side because if you was a game designer and you just wanted to create games, you didn't really think about the business area. But that's regardless. It it should still be running even if there was one person there because we've paid £9,500. And that is the bit that I struggle to wrap my head around. Yeah. Um, And obviously, like you're saying now, they've rectified it and obviously they're going to continue doing that into the future. I really hope that we can go back Mm. when they do that and sit in with the year below so we can kind of finish that and well, get the just knowledge get the the benefits of what we were kind of paying for really isn't 100%, it this yeah. is the same thing when we've mentioned about trips you look at places like egx or insomnia which are just gaming conventions mm-hmm. for people to showcase new games at being able to organize that yes i understand there is a cost to it but 
if you if you're not able to subsidize everything from what we get because bearing in mind again we pay nine thousand five hundred for what felt like a day a week max two of their time the uh-huh. rest of yeah, the week yeah, like yeah. we just weren't getting anything and it's not this is the thing that i think shocked me the most and i would love to share this with as many people as you can university isn't even as much as what school was when i started university price wise no 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 not price wise sorry time how much time oh, okay. you actually spend it so the time investment no no, no. so you, when you start when you go to school every year you get six weeks two weeks holiday or one week holiday you get break and then six weeks so i think overall you get you you go from september all the way to june mm-hmm. right whereas when you do university and there's a bit of wiggle room the 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 blocks are changing every time when we started we did two blocks and then we moved on to three blocks and I know a lot of people are trying to do this one block four week cycles for each assignment but you get six assignments so uh, you've got 24 weeks of learning of a 52 week year so you're at uni for half the year by the time you finish which is April yeah June at, the, at a push you are you have like three months of holiday. It's a ridiculously long amount of time. Yeah, and you that I, isn't filled by anything from the university. No. They don't. Uh, at least, again, this is. I'd really like to hear this from other universities and what they do in this time because, at least for our university, there is nothing going on in that time. But there's loads of things happening in the gaming space, and I get that yeah. if you couldn't, um, you know, have special days where we can go to studios and do studio visits um, and things like that. But even if there was like one per month during that summer holiday, just so we can all keep FaceTime with each other as well. Because again, a lot of the introverted students, which I suppose is most, which is fair enough, would retreat back into their little flat or their room and stay on Discord and, and that kind of thing. When there could have been a lot of opportunities to do cool stuff. Well, I, something I thought about, which I think is a better way of doing it, is even game jams. So That's a very good the point. university is open during the entire and a, and a game jam being uh, a small portion of time for you and a team, or even solo, to actually make a game. Yeah, I mean, you're really time. looking at making a prototype or just a few mechanics yes. and kind of. Yeah, you're not going to make money off of this no. game. But <laughs> it's a good way to test different ideas. It's a good way to yeah to to try out mechanics that you you want to do and it's, build relationships exactly. with people and yeah. community. And... But doing something like that because I know that the university is open during that time. They've got the security guards, they've got the electricity being paid for. Maybe it's not as high because obviously not everything's being used. But the facilities are there. Even the lecturers are there. Myself, I went through during some of the holidays holidays, just to try and focus on sort of keeping uh, myself up to date like by programming and doing all the tasks. Because yeah. otherwise you would just forget it because you don't do it for so long. Um and there were people there. So organising events or even during those times utilising some visits and some people coming in. When, I mean, I, there is a level I do understand because I've spoken to a lot of European students. They use that time to go home. So of again, course. they might miss out, but some of them stayed. And there is, again, there's a lot of people there that are missing out on doing anything. And I think it is, it's a good three months if you're not learning, you're not and 
the biggest challenge I felt going from like the first year to the second year is because that first year, as somebody that doesn't program, you start to program in that first year. Mm. And as a designer, you weren't expecting it. You kind of, you're like, oh, maybe I'll touch on it. Maybe I'll understand it, not really do it. But you are kind of forced into doing it because you need to be able to build these projects. You do need to make these mechanics work, even if it's not perfect, even if it's buggy and stuff like that. That doesn't matter too much. But you go then like three months in between two semesters and you do forget a lot of that knowledge that you've learned. I mean, we, for perspective, we learned Unreal Engine in our first term. Then we learned Unity in our second. And then when we go back, we were playing with Unreal Engine again. So it had yeah. been yeah. like that three months worth of break and weeks before that where we... And I, I couldn't remember half of the things I had to It's do. very disruptive. Yeah. And I don't think we... And maybe the university realised just how disruptive that actually is. Mm. Especially when you have a lot of ongoing learning. It's, it's easier to keep learning when things are fresh in your head, but you don't want to have burnout to the point where you're no longer learning because you've been doing a lot recently. So there is a, 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 a slippery slope, but, but yeah, that many is, months seems way too long. This is something that I think the university is, has understood because a lot of courses, especially when you look at like the four-week modules, if you go four weeks and then have a break, then you go four weeks and you have a break, you get you shouldn't suffer from burnout too much. Mm. It is still four weeks is a lot of work, especially if you're go 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 and you're not spending all your time partying and you're actually doing the work. <laughs> um, then you you should be reasonably okay, especially again if you treat things like, and I think this is something that is good from school, is that you have a working week and then you have your weekend. That weekend's your break. You of really course, of course. I mean, I, I've been an advocate for never doing homework on a weekend. My kids will come home from school on a Friday with homework, like, that's Monday's job. We're you not dealing that with that break right now. <laughs> to remember to actually pursue your hobbies and things that you actually yeah, want to do to remember why you're working so hard as well. Yeah. And that starts from being at a young age. Yeah, 100%. We I mean, all appreciate the weekends until you're in retirement and, you know, you're not doing <laughs> Every anything Every day is the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this just comes back to the point of, like, what, what is the purpose of going to university? Now, I think when you get there and you're kind of on this task of like, okay, this is what I want to be. This is this is my chosen field that I'm going to study. You, you really have to understand that you're not just going to soak in a bunch of information and then come out the other end as an expert. Yeah. This is a, a an opportunity for you to discover how to... Advance yourself as an individual, I think, is mm. a nice way of looking at it because something that I know I learned from doing university, we've talked about a little bit earlier about the fail faster and the critical thinking. These two things are something that's really invaluable and these are probably the biggest pros from going to university is questioning the stuff you are given, not just saying that's the way to do it, so that's the way I'm going to do it. Is that the right way to do it? Check it. Find more information. Validate that as an, an answer. Don't just take someone's word and agree with it. And this is definitely something you're encouraged to do in your essays and assignments. Mm. So that's great. 
challenging, questioning, and then finding the facts and going, yep, that's the way to do it. I get that. I understand that. And then it's the opportunity to fail because every, a lot of people kind of point you towards doing something and doing it right, getting something right. You're going to, you're going to be marked on this. You better get it right. Because if you fail, you're going to have to do it again. Yeah. And that's just, you know, you're going to fall behind and you're going to, you're not going to earn money. You're not going to get your job. Oh, it's all, it's all negative. And this is an opportunity to really turn that, make it a positive spin. Mm. and say no you have failed or you didn't do it right but let's let's look at that and i think we both agree that we didn't get that experience at university we because something we have touched on which is like our assignments were given a bit late in the in the in that gap in that block of learning in that subject and we weren't really given that opportunity to make a first draft and give it back we were yeah. rushed into yeah. this is your date that you got to get a first draft back to me <gasps> quick write something right so oh i didn't finish it i didn't send it for that yeah. first draft then you give it in for the second draft and it's it's got errors to it. it's got things so you really you need that to was, make that changes. was very tutor dependent as well i think yeah definitely i mean we talked about the non-digital game studies that was probably the best example of when, how to do that well. Yeah, where we worked through yeah. each paragraph every week, we reviewed it, left it, came back to it, edited it, made it That better. was the least stressful module because of that, I think. Yeah. Stressful because you're still doing, you know, high-end university work. Yeah. But you didn't have any crunch. And I think that's something that all game designers hate the word crunch <laughs> and I think professionals in general that's sort of leaving things right to the last minute um, usually because of poor management poor time management things like that mm-hmm. um, and we should be encouraging everyone to minimise crunch as much as possible wherever yeah. possible so then that was like what we found is that some of the other subjects were very much get to, I mean, maybe week one they would tell you what the assignment's going to be. Great, I know what it is. Yeah. But then they wouldn't talk about it for weeks. Yeah. And then they'd kind of hand you a date and go, so this is when your first draft is ready to be handed in. Like, oh, I haven't even started it. I'll get something yeah. written. And I think a lot of people got to that point where it's like, I just haven't got something written or I haven't finished a first draft. And I definitely think this is where when we talked about like the teachers getting involved, the lecturers talking and getting those one-to-ones in. If I haven't submitted that first draft, I think that next week that lecturer should be going, right, I'm going to put a one-to-one with all the people that haven't done a first draft for an hour. We're going to book that time. And maybe this is where you need to share the load and make sure that there's other people to support you on this or maybe even make groups of them. Mm -hmm. Say, look, I'm not grilling you. I'm not having a go. This isn't about telling you off because you haven't handed me in something. It's me just checking in with you. You want to know where someone's head is. Yeah. Because again, like, uh, take for example somebody that's got ADHD, dyslexia, stuff like that, really do prohibit their their ways of learning. It might just be they didn't understand it, or they didn't take it yeah. in, or they've gone away and learned it better. Or even to the point where they need a little bit more guidance. Yeah. And identifying that early is actually then what means you're going to get more successful students. And again, if I was a lecturer, my whole thing would be, if my students aren't passing, I feel like that's a disappointment on me. Yes. 
I've let them down in some way. And maybe not all of them I have. Maybe, because this is something you can definitely do as as a class leader, is if you've got people scoring, you know, high 60, 70% all the class, you think, I I helped them learn something. Yeah. If you've got that big gradient line where some are going from 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, you know, it's a very niche curve, then that's probably got nothing, very little to do with you. Because that's, that curve is probably what you expect people to be on. Mm-hmm. But if you've got dips and people here, there and everywhere, maybe that's somebody you haven't even talked to. Mm. And if you know you haven't talked to them, you don't even recognise the name type thing, then you can do something about that. And the fact that people take away that ownership and go, oh, well, they're failing. Well, they're just going to drop yeah. out. And we were mentioned this really early on. They expect like 50% of the class to drop out in the first year. Yes. It's like, I get it, there is probably some really good statistical analysis on that. Yeah. But again, you shouldn't be just accepting that as a norm. We talk about critical thinking and stuff, and this is it. You should be critical yeah. thinking yeah. Yeah. and going, is that a them problem or a me? Maybe I can try something different. Maybe I can help more students and not just... Because I think this lecture, and we probably know exactly who I yeah. mean, is very black and white when it comes to like how they see people. Is yes. that you're either a really good student, or I want nothing to do with you. And I had very, I had a few conversations with this person in particular, where I felt like I asked a question, had a bit of a conversation, and I said these statements, and then when they spoke back to me, it was like they were talking to somebody else. Well, I think with that person specifically they would always have well thought out and deeply profound answers to very specific questions. Mm. So when you would then give a question that was in vague similarity to this one that they had three years ago, (laughs) then they'll regurgitate that exact same answer and give it to you. The problem with that is that's not communication, that's script reading. Yeah. Um, And in your case, and I've had this as well, you're not getting actual feedback which is unique to you, so then you don't feel like you're listened to. And then the hard bit is, because that person is a tutor and a lecturer, are you the one in the wrong? Because he should be the one that's in the wrong. Well, that's the thing. So maybe it is a me problem. We, We kind of look to them as professionals, and... I think in that first year, you're definitely looking up to you, your lecturers like, oh, this is an expert in the field. But as you, get, as you get on, you, you yeah. know they have the knowledge. I'm not going to dispute that. Of course. 100% probably every single lecture there is really clever at what they do. But there is an argument to be had is, are they a good teacher or are they mm. somebody that knows what how, how to do it, but they don't necessarily know how to teach other people to do it? Because... Again, there, there is a big difference there to somebody that knows what they're talking about and knows how to translate that to other people because the way I might learn will be completely different to yeah. the way you learn. And that's really something that you have to kind of think about when you're teaching is, am I catering to the majority and then just hoping that the rest kind of get on with it? Or can I find a way to kind of tailor for more to yeah. this? I had a really good conversation with one of the lecturers that they identified that there's a lot of neurodivergent people in the game development community. It's It attracts that sort of person, 
one because yeah we are all gamers and we we are all introverts we all hide from everybody and we sit indoors and we find that escape um but also i think it's that mindset as well we have people that are neurodivergent have a particular way of looking at problems yeah and they kind of innately become creative because they they do kind of that critical thinking where they challenge something it's like this is the way it's done this is the way it's done they tend to also learn via a question and answer system Mm. rather than sort of a traditional lecture system yeah and i actually spoke to my grandmother about this about my uncle because he would go to certain lectures and he couldn't sit through like a whole lecture mm. but when he had a conversation for five minutes with the lecturer at the end he would be able to retain all of the information take it in and understand the whole thing perfectly yeah. and it was because uh, the, at least the way that i understand it would be if you had the topic at hand like prospect refuge theory we have this overwhelming question that needs to be answered in our head so no matter what you're talking about, unless it's going to answer this question, we're not going to pay attention, listen to or take it in. And in this example, it could be, well, why is, why does the big thing make you feel small? Yes. Is it the scale? Is it the threat? Where's that coming from? That's the, that's the question that I have, right? And then if you have an hour long uh, session on everything other than that one question, you can't take in the other information because your head is just going answer the question answer the question answer the question and then if you have that conversation with your tutor ask the question then and then they give you an answer that hasn't been pre-scripted but gave you the answer that perfectly answers that question then it will unlock everything else yeah and this again this comes down to a level of because the expectation from them is Oh, well, people will put their hand up if they want to ask a question. Everyone here is fully capable of stepping up when they need to pause the thing and ask questions. But the reality being, especially in our course, everyone's just so scared. And I think this was definitely a challenge we faced when we were in that cope. It was even more scary to to kind of put your hand up and say, I've got a question and I need it answered because... You couldn't even see people's reactions to yeah. you. But, but but what you said was written down as well. In writing, right yeah. there. So that <laughs> you don't have the benefit of that that person kind of go, oh, what did he say? Oh, I can't remember. No, no, everyone knows because everyone's read it five times now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it is that education needs to start catering for a different type of person mindset yeah yeah Yeah. i mean maybe we'll start to see this i mean the term even the term neurodivergent is very young in its terminology yeah Yeah. um i mean people with autism adhd dyslexia stuff like that that really affects the way people learn has been around for a long time we might not have identified it we may not have even acknowledged it sure we may have even shunned it and Mm -hmm. i guarantee we all know what psychology, uh, psychiatric units were like hundreds of years ago. Lobotomy, lobotomy, lobotomy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anybody that could have stood out as something to, to worry about, well, we just covered it up and never thought twice. Whereas I think, again, this does show a, a factor of time, doesn't it? That we, we learn from our mistakes, we try and move on, and now we I understand that these kind of people yeah. are there. Um, I suppose it's something we do have to think about in in terms of like the world you can't just shut them off and hide them anymore yeah 
you've got to look at accepting these people it's like difference of opinions and stuff like that you can't just want someone to just disappear and stop talking about this topic because you don't like it mm -hmm. we need to encourage this form of communication and then we just need to understand that people aren't always out there to get us yes just because someone disagrees with you does not mean they hate you and i think mm. that's something that some people should probably think about a little bit because i know even from myself i've probably done that where someone's been disagreeing with me and i'm like oh it's such a pain and just such a horrible person it's like well are they or do they just don't but agree with me <laughs> but it's also that's the importance of having those discussions and yeah. those discussion groups is because then you can start like you and I have both worked in sales mm. and there's a lot of rejection in sales a lot and you have to sort of get over that and you have to apply that fail faster method you're going to get rejected so get to that rejection faster so you can move on to the one that you don't get rejected yeah. by so having that sort of almost like exposure therapy of having those sort of discussion groups and if the university could take on something I think that would be really cool is after we have those like you know seminars about something like prospect refuge theory we could then have instead of a discussion group about what game did you think of that yeah. came to mind when you had this instead it could be you know a topic that's controversial by definition and by yeah. intention where it could be should games allow prospect and refuge because it could make the player feel scared or something like that whereas the morals in that regard should game developers be allowed to do that yeah and then you've immediately got two p two sides of the fence that are going of course making anyone scared is actually really awful because you know you're making that person feel awful and you shouldn't be allowed to do that regardless of if it's a game or not and then you've got the other camp that's like no no, no. high emotions is the whole point of video games and that's one of the emo immediately you're sparking this back and forth yeah. with people I think and again it's that middle ground and finding that place in the middle I think something worthwhile thinking about there as well is that the universities need and I'd love to know if somebody does this because if they do it's the right way to go is making the smaller groups than the whole class yeah. don't always sit there and think you're going to have 30 people question and answers go 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 that's perfect you need to really sit there and think to yourself for starters how can I get everyone to engage now I know that in a class of 30 maybe two three people might put their hand up but in a class of five you can almost encourage and guarantee well, it feels more like a conversation people. than a classroom yeah and even even if you have to change the groups every week i mean something i think as well this and we'll move on to this subject in a minute it also then creates these bonds and these groups of friends and these people that start yes. connecting yeah. and work and you might even find that by say the second or third year you've got these groups of people that you know well i'll get that five together again yeah. because one they get along yeah they don't all necessarily agree with the thing i think that's important you mm -hmm. want that little um you want that dispute you want to encourage that or let's challenge each other but if you get into some nicks and some groups of friends and stuff then you also can start encouraging this hey we're going to push you guys to make an indie group together yeah you know and i think I don't know if this is what uni does. I think in the idea of my entire class 
And let's, let's say there's 30 and over the course of three years, five people drop out. Let's just keep a number there because, mm-hmm. you know, people are going to drop out. So you've got 25 people left by the end of the third year. If I was, if they were all leaving there with five indie companies or even one big indie company or maybe two or three, that would be the perfect scenario. Yeah. And yeah, maybe you want to encourage people to go into AAAs and go into freelancing and things like that. You know, get people to follow what they want to do. But I think a, a, a prize that I would hold as a university is we had a whole year that went and made five companies. They did that because we encouraged that collective of people to group together, to yeah. challenge, to question, and to build relations. And the universities, I think, expect that to happen naturally and just don't want to get involved. But it's an opportunity to get involved. And yeah. I don't mean push them to do it and say, no, you will be friends, but just bring them together. See if it happens. Because at that point, you are, again, when we talk about like giving them some agency, yeah. letting them take control of their destiny, but you're still encouraging it and putting those first steps into yeah. place and I think especially for those that are scared, nervous don't want to talk to people and they're kind of pushed a little bit, nudged along they might and that's really what creates friends yeah. and really builds these groups of people that then can go on a journey together and it brings out that sort of like minded passion and it's like an example that kind of stands out to me that would build from that really well would be from having those discussion groups, say you had in the whole course of the uni like 20 discussion groups and you start pairing with the other people that also have similar viewpoints on certain passionate areas. And it could then be that the three of you have really strong views on the importance of level design Mm. or narrative design or audio design. Let's take audio design because that one doesn't get mentioned as much, right? So the three of you all think that audio design is very underrepresentative and adds a hell of a lot of atmosphere to games. So then the three of you could join together to start forming a maybe a company Mm-hmm. that could just specialise in audio design in games yeah. and then hire yourselves out as freelancers. But at least you've got something and you can put that towards your portfolio. You can put that towards your experience. Hell, you could even get a little bit of money from doing that, from going to different companies and specialising in that little area. And that's all that people need is to kind of get that start. But it is quite baffling that the university, at least for ours, doesn't encourage that almost from day one. That's something that we've talked about with education in general. Hmm. Doesn't advocate for people to work collaboratively. collaboratively in pairs, in groups, whatever it takes, even into de- departments and stuff like that. Because... We're, we're told that you have to create your assignment, you have to write your essay, and it has to be unique and it can't be copyrighted. And I, I get that. There is a level of, like, people shouldn't cheat to get ahead in life. Of course. Fine. But if I and a friend, let's take me and you, are working on a game design document that's going to be made in that group project, and we're working together, we create the document together, and then we each write an essay about why we chose these elements. Mm. And let's let's take the worst case scenario. I designed the levels, 
and you felt like you didn't really design anything of the GDD, so I was very steering everything. Mm-hmm. You can talk about that in your essay. Yeah. You can mention how, in if I was to do this again, I mean, this is a brilliant line that should be in every essay. If I was to do this again, mm. this is what I would do differently. I would make an impact. And those are things that should actually be encouraged because this is what university should be pushing towards is that one we do collaborate with each other we get into that idea that we're not going to be on our own mr independent we're going to have somebody to work with somebody to be our counterpart that picks up on our weaknesses and stuff like that and making sure that what we're not doing there is going you copy me i'll copy you but actually working together yeah and instead they're so almost afraid to let that happen yeah. that they just discourage it. And I've had this conversation so many times with lecturers and they just go, no, they won't do it. So, but what you're saying to me is not that it's the right thing to do and we should encourage it and we should push towards it. No, 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 we're not doing it. Yeah. You just give up. Yeah. And that just that to a student, I think, is really high. Like The worst thing you can do is just say... Now we can't be bothered to listen to your idea. We we're just not going to take what you've said on board, and it just dismisses them as a a, a point of reference, really, doesn't it? Yeah. If you're not sitting there and taking my idea and actually going, do you not know what? no, that that would be quite smart. You know, that that's a good idea. You've just decided that no, we're not doing it. We, we we've we've agreed. No, that's never happening. I'm just not gonna. I'm gonna just be completely disheartened from ever talking to you again, because it's so easily dismissed. And again, this is something that's so important. Those impressions on people. If you dismiss me it once, I might come back for a second opinion. But you dismiss me again, I'm never gonna come and ask your opinion. Mm. You need to encourage that. Even if I mean, it's a brilliant line. I think HR's probably done it their entire life. Oh, we'll take that into consideration. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a, it's such a kick in the teeth when you hear it. Yeah. But also, it's such a, the right response. It's just then about following through and putting that into action, yeah. isn't it? I mean, speaking on the collaboration front, something that you and I are both big advocates for, is trying to pair with someone that really counters your weaknesses and helps boost your strengths Um, and as an example I'm quite a flamboyant and creative sort of one so I tend to sort of go off on on tangents and then think about like all the different aspects this game could have it's branching upon branching upon branching yes it it could go on forever couldn't it yeah and then Jason is very good at kind of going, I really like the direction of where this is going, but let's reel back for a minute and figure out how we can put all these together um, in a practical way that would actually work. And then again, it's, it's always that somewhere in the middle is the correct thing. And then together we can end up making great things. And I'm not sure maybe we can discuss it now how the university can do that that isn't just discussion groups I think um, but how we can find it because obviously we mainly work together not actually from our course we both decided to go on to this business type of boot camp that the university was doing Mm. and 
I obviously we spoke quite a bit beforehand, but it was a case of, hey, I've got this idea that was actually my dissertation uh, at the time. So I did a load of the research, found it to be a viable thing that we could do. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, let's pair together yep. and then let's flesh this out, turn this into an actual product yep. uh, on paper and flesh out the business side of things. Yeah. And it was that yin and yang that we had going yeah. that it worked so flawlessly. And the, the part that always stands out in my mind was being just hilarious for the best way possible, but also terribly for the uni, was about, I'd say, three or four weeks before the final pitch we booked out one of the innovation rooms at the university and this room was a room that we both had our eyes on from the <laughs> first day of uni we thought Money oh my god it. this is true <laughs> yeah it was one of the reasons why i joined the uni was because of this room and this room basically the thing that stuck stuck out for us was this massive black board of glass that you could draw on with pen, obviously. And and immediately for creative people, we go, oh my God, that's amazing. Because you can flesh out so much of an idea with this board and you could even draw on the window yeah. a little bit and then take that off. And it was overlooking the docks and it was a lovely building. And anyway, we went in there four weeks before the deadline and from start to finish took all of the ideas and everything that have been circling around in conversations on different notes in our heads everything and flushed it all out on this one massive long blackboard and we was in there for about six hours and by the end of it we had this fantastic layout mm. and it was just purely from this yin and yang that we had yeah i mean i, I always love your analogy when you talk about the scythe and do you want me to do it now? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, just, yeah. for, just for the excitement of the audience. So I was, I was thinking about a good <laughs> analogy that sort of sums up how we work together. And it's a scythe trying to carve a path through a field. Now, a scythe for people that don't know what I'm talking about. Grim Reaper has a massive one usually, but it's basically a knife on a stick. It's how we used to be able to mow lawns, because back in the day you didn't have a lawnmower. The lawnmower <laughs> was you. So... This analogy is me standing at the front and I have the scythe and I'm carving this big, big path. I'm cutting loads and loads of pieces of graph, but it's messy, but it's very, very fast. And then Jason... It's important to say as well, like you left on your own would just probably even get to the point of cutting the entire field. And you're just trying to get to the other side, right? You want to get there as quick as possible, but you're just mindlessly and you know and i'm having a lot of fun exactly. carving this grass because I'm, <laughs> I'm finding it so enjoyable it's like, oh my god shing with one slice there's over. another bit over there there's another bit over here exactly going, exactly so i end up like going into loads of different parts of the field and what jason does is jason stands very close behind me and he'll take all of like the grass leftovers and put them into this very very neat cohesive pile that looks visually aesthetically pleasing. And you might trim up some of the edges as well. And together we end up with this really clean path. But Jason will also keep his hands on my shoulders and make sure I'm not going too far to the left or too far to the right. We end up staying true together as a team. And if you look at someone who's trying to cut the grass on their own or even impair teams that don't work very well, 
every time we will cut through this field perfectly in a straight line faster than everyone else. Yeah. And that's the importance of finding someone that counters your weaknesses and enhances your strengths. Yeah, and I, I would definitely advocate that university is a great place to meet people. A hundred percent. The entire team we work with was met at university. Definitely. And it wasn't met at a party, it wasn't met drinking alcohol, it was met in those moments of finding common ground, working together, and really trying to feed off of each other's energy to a point right mm. like it, it wasn't about sucking siphoning and making other people feel bad it was about listening and kind of talking i think every single time i've met one of the people that we that i work with, it's always been a very unique um uh meet up i i, I find uh, and hopefully jonathan won't mind me sharing this story um it was uh it was on our second year we were just starting and there was an introductory day where everybody was there to meet everybody and as the introverts we were i had my switch there and me and jack were playing your nintendo switch yeah little gameplay (laughs) we were playing um mario party jonathan came through and uh jack knew him from the classroom and he sat down and he came and played and it was just the three of us when there was a a big crowd of Mm. new years new first years meeting the lecturers and stuff we were playing games and it, it just created a bond. And it's it's such a silly little thing, but it creates such a big picture because if we hadn't all decided to go in for that meet, but all been so bit nervous about going and sitting with 30 other people, yeah. it'd have never happened. And that, you know, those opportunities would have been great if, because again, that was from the uni organising side. I was to say, because that was dynamic by the uni. The yeah, uni yeah, organised the event. It. But they didn't sit you two next to each exactly. other. That's the important thing. And that's what we keep saying again and again. And it feels like it falls on deaf ears a lot of the time. But Definitely. You have to create the opportunity for people to excel. Mm. And I think this happened quite a lot of time. I'll give credit where they tried, but they never really just saw it through. I think yeah. my biggest letdown was... Oh, we're gonna we're gonna encourage um, a weekly meetup where we're just gonna play games and have fun. We turn up one week. That never happened. No, no, we oh. turned up one week, and then I, I, it wasn't the lecturer's fault because he's been booked a meeting. He's been told to go here, told to go there, but no one else turned up. It was just me one week, and then and it's just. It's not a situation and they where, it. yeah, and they just yeah. stopped doing it. So it's not a situation where, because I, I take credit if it was I scared everybody off. Fair enough, that's my fault. <laughs> yeah. right? It's probably happened loads of times in my life. I don't care, but it's a situation where if as a if as if you set something up, if you organise something, you have to see it through. Yeah, you can't, and if you can't do it personally, get someone else to do it. And it's, if you've got a team, if you are in charge and you say no, we're doing this they don't follow then you need to start thinking about actionable scenarios there because if you can't see it through you're going to let people down people are just going to look at you and go you just don't do what you tell us you're going to do yeah you know you don't deliver on what you promise and i think that is such an important part of this organize these events make stuff happen i mean one of, one of the game jams that they did for us, it was monetary value. No one needed that. Mm. No one needs a prize at the end of the tunnel. The, the experience, the f- 
the involvement and just encouraging it. Yes, you won't get 100% of people. Yeah, you might only get one. But when we're already charged with paying the money and there's no, oh, we'll give you a bit of money back because you didn't do this or this didn't happen, it's uh, we've paid for it. I don't care if one per- only one person turns up. Follow through. And yet, I, th- I think the hardest part, especially for those events where it was like uh, an outside person coming in, they might feel a bit disheartened. But you can always, again, but this one person is really interested. Yeah, You just yeah, enforce yeah. that idea that you are making a change. It might not be, you know, a, a hall of a thousand people that are hearing your speech. But if you can do one thing today, and that is affect one other person in a positive way, you've done good. As far as I'm concerned, you're a good person if you have positively influenced one person a day. Hmm. Different question if you've negatively influenced more people, (laughs) but that's a a question for another day, I think. (laughs) But going back to this, finding that partner and finding that person that really you can synergize well with, you can work well with, it does because it shows and you know maybe this is my bias view but it shows even when we talk there isn't this fight for each other's attention mm. fight to take over and steer the conversation my way and you agree with and me we've and all I had agree friends with you. like that exactly yeah. but we ebb and flow we communicate and yeah maybe it does come to the fact that we're very sort of similar orientated about our beliefs and stuff of course but this is something you need to find. And I think definitely going back to this initial question of like, is uni worth it? Take your course out of the equation mm. at the end of the day. If you're passionate about it, if you like it, go for it. But use it as an opportunity to fail, fail faster. We'll, in, we'll, we'll say that one every day. Find the connections. Find people that you can work well with, that can synergize well with you, that you can build relationships with. And take the opportunity to challenge your beliefs. Challenge what you know to be true. And you should do that as part of your assignment. You should listen to your lecture. You should challenge them. And I don't mean rudely interrupt them and say, I think you're wrong. But, (laughs) you know, we could definitely say it to a few people. But um, it's that situation where you kind of just question, and why is that the right way? Yeah. If ever someone says it to you, this is the way it's done. Just simply ask why, because if they can't, if they can't give you evidence, then chances are there isn't any. But also at that point, that gives you an opportunity to go off your own research if you're that interested in it. Yeah. But then they should come back. And that's and good. Just life lessons in general. Yeah, hundred percent. So going back to that, and based on our experience, at least from our university as game developers. Do you think that it was worth us going for three years to get that degree and spending £30,000? I think taking out too many of our, like, dis, our, our faults, and, you know, we can definitely accumulate some of them to the COVID experience. And God knows how long it's going to take, really, for everything to bounce back and feel, and maybe we'll never be the same way as it was. Maybe that's even a good thing. But I think with the opportunity, it's worth it. Yeah. Even even though you are probably gonna find people you dislike, problems. I 
think that's something that's probably even a life lesson in itself isn't yeah. it there might be an uphill struggle there might be some barriers in the way but it is kind of worth thinking about it and kind of approaching it with like it's it's worth doing but I think something that we haven't touched on that we, we've talked about before is like don't just go at something because that's your hobby that's your fun, favourite thing to do yes Find something you are not just passionate about, but also capable of doing. Long term as well. Yeah, don't 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 take it the wrong because like I'm I going into uni I was not a game developer I was not a programmer and since doing it I have learned what game design takes and I'm getting there I'm working towards it I'm still learning even after the qualification I think that's important. Um, and I've gotten used to and I've learned a lot of programming tools and how to problem solve and stuff like that. So I'm I'm working towards a thing and I don't and like I've said, I don't think you'll ever be like an expert at the other end of it. But I think it's a journey worth taking and you need to put that mentality in that this is something I've got to I've got to be able to invest in and see it as that as an investment. And I think if you are passionate or at least you can see yourself doing it for a long time and you can see yourself pushing forward through it and you 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 put that effort in you will be rewarded for it mm. and maybe that's something i think some people need to ask themselves is like is this actually what i want to do yeah i definitely think that is a, a topic for further conversation of course motivation and figuring out what you actually want to do and how education doesn't really guide us enough into that what it's like to be an adult and how to to figure out what you want to be as a future. I think yeah. especially because I'm 31 years old. I started uni as a mature student and it took me till I was about 28 years old to actually figure out, no, I want to be a game developer. I want to create games and I want to do something with that. I want to benefit people's lives. And I think about 12, when I was at school, finishing, going into college... I was definitely in the mindset, I'd love to create games, I'd really want to create a, a game, but I didn't have a passion behind that. It was just it was just yeah. the idea of creating yeah. a game that sounded like, oh, that's so cool. And Yeah, like you wasn't making GDDs most nights. You wasn't <laughs> you know, you wasn't making board games for fun every other weekend. Yeah, at least I things like I think that. I wasn't like trying to design a game as yeah. such. Whereas I was very much thinking, oh, this game, for instance, could be better if I did it this way. And that, that's a great mindset yeah. to have. But you've got to kind of have a bit more of a knowledge and a bit more of an understanding. And you've got to keep like, really asking why. Yeah. You couldn't just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so it would... Yeah, I would also agree with that. I think... Because obviously, again, our uni was hindered a lot because of COVID. So... And obviously we can't speak on, on behalf of all universities, but I'd say if you want to get into game development or if you're a student and you're thinking if a degree is worth it, after this conversation and ultimately everything that's happened, I would agree and say yes. Yeah, I think we've both had their moments during the degree. And I would, I would almost say that you are going to have moments where you think this isn't worth it, this is a lot of money. For- 100%. For something that I just don't feel like I'm getting benefit out. And at the end of the day, I do think some people are going to look at it as like it's a piece of paper. But it's not. 
what is it? Oh, I love that saying. It's not about the results, it's about the journey. Yes. You know, yeah. it is what you do on the way. It's the effort you put in. It's the process that you go through. It's the fail, fail faster. It's the critical thought. It's the challenging behavior and not just doing the same thing you've done growing up where you've turned up to school because somebody else told you to. Yeah. Like, I would 100% say to somebody, don't go to uni because someone tells you you've got to go to it. Don't start an apprenticeship because someone tells you to do it. Do it because it is the thing that you think you should do. And if you can... Obviously, it's difficult because you've got to earn money, you've got to pay bills, and especially when you're getting to that age of 18, you're worrying about your... Sorry independency and you you know your parents might be kicking you out sort of thing find you know you can find a job you can get work you can do the bare minimum and kind of give yourself a bit of a break you know like i said i was 28 when i started i was a mature student mm. when i was 18 i was not ready for this i was not ready <laughs> Hell to no. be a student again <laughs> after doing it for far too long and i worked and I found that really, if you want to make, if you want to be passionate about something, it's worth following it. And I would probably advocate if you can get an apprenticeship, go for that over uni, hundred percent, because that is a lot more hands-on. Especially if you're that orientated. If you're a if you're a bookworm, go to uni every time. But if you are hands-on and you can get an apprenticeship, it's worth it because you will get a little bit of education can be a bit more monotonous i think it's very here's a textbook let's read through it kind of style mm -hmm. versus uni is a lot more it's definitely tailored towards debatable stuff even if we don't get that experience as such but it it's it's a case of getting your hands on doing the work learning by doing and again fail fail faster don't actively break stuff and throw it under the in the yeah, bin yeah, and hide yeah. from it own up to your mistakes if you make it because again I think something I learned from an apprenticeship that I did myself is they are a lot more lenient they're a lot more understanding they do sit there but again it's things like if you're passionate about something you should be paying attention to it yeah if you if you find we will be those inquisitive moments, you'll be really interested. yeah if you find those moments where you just feel like oh, I don't want to be here then that should be an indicator that maybe you're not passionate about this yeah you know, those are the things that you challenge. Those are the critical and things. And that's not that bad. No. But it's bad to not recognise and do something about yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. I think, again, this comes back to that fail faster. Yeah. It's not yeah. It's not whether or not you fail. It's not whether or not you do something bad. It's learning from that and challenging it as like, is this good? Is this bad? Is it positive or is it negative? And working towards... And I think maybe this is something that schools should look at and how they can implement this into the educational factor. But I don't, like finding out who you are is about making mistakes along the way. Definitely. Like, Definitely. Uh, I, I, I won't go into subjects that are a bit touchy, but if you have a question about yourself and who you are, challenge it, hmm. question it. Don't shove it in everybody else's face and make them deal with it, but... Take that time and find people that can advocate for that. If your parents are, now nah, get a job, get out of here type thing. And when you turn 18 and that's the thing you have to do, fine. Deal with it. Make that move. But you can always find a group of friends to partner up with. To... 
to find a flat together, you know, find ways around it. Don't accept this bad situation because that's what you've been handed. Use it to your advantage. Find a way to make it benefit you. And I think there is that opportunity for everything. And I will say it's so much easier said than done. Of course. I've, yeah. I've had it myself. I've been in a situation where I felt like impossible avenues. Especially when you're in that scenario at the moment yeah. and you're here in this type of yeah, thing. Yeah, but hindsight will always teach you that you are a lot stronger than you realise and you can overcome anything. I think as well, worth adding to that, time is your friend. Yeah. And time is your ally. No matter how good you currently have it, this time will pass. No matter how bad you have it, this time will pass. Yeah. And I think being able to have that long distance planning is again another reason why university is good because it's a bloody three year thing. And some people stay on to do a master's. And then some people have to go to college before that. You know, and there's there's incremental well, time stamps. That's the thing. Like one thing because we haven't touched on this and We've got a few minutes left before we end, so we'll we'll go into this a little bit. One thing I would look at as a for a degree, especially, is it does make you employable. A good yes. employer yeah. will look at you because you've done a degree and go, he turned up every day without fail, on time, committed, uh, completed several tasks that were assigned to him in a dedicated amount of time, and came out the other end. That shows you are an employable person. That alone shows dedication and commitment that you can do what they need you to do. And maybe enough people don't kind of look at that. Maybe that's something that a manager needs to kind of, you know, think about when they're employing people. But a degree definitely positively shows you as somebody that can do what they need you to do. Yeah. And if it's if you if you that's not your cup of tea, you don't want to work for someone, you want to go independent, you want to be your own boss. This is also the opportunity, like myself, to find people to partner up with, hmm. to find. I, I mean, I, I'm creating an indie game development company from my time at uni. I didn't just wake up one day and say, "No, I'm gonna do that." It was the experiences, it was the meeting the people, finding that synergy and finding that partner and the people to work with that create that opportunity to develop my own company and to keep moving forwards. And I think one thing I'm most happy about with the university experience is that is what I take away. It's not, not even the piece of paper because yeah. I, I hope I will never have to use it to get a job ever again. <laughs> I hope everything goes well for myself. Of course. But, at the end of the day, I met some amazing people, some talented people that, I mean, yourself, you're an expert and you've not been an expert from somebody else's teaching. It's from you. Mm. You have grown up the way you have and you've become this expert because you have pushed yourself to become this expert in your field. And I think, and it's definitely, I think there's some people out there that might question that word, the expert. But, oh, that's my dad right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, Daddy. <laughs> Thank you for but believing in me. I think there is a level that sometimes you have to consider yourself an expert when people turn to you for advice. Yeah. People come to you and say, I need help. You're the guy I thought of. Because even if you're not 50 years, 20 years in the work, I mean, I, I, I guarantee there are people that have done the same job for 30 years and they're still not an expert. 
Yeah, and the one the one thing as well that we have now with our generation and this current time is the access and ease of information is insane yeah. compared to how it used to and be. And it's only going to get better with the advancements yeah. of AI. Any question you ever need answered to, you can Google whilst on the toilet. Yeah. Whereas before, you would have to go and talk to your university, say I wanted to learn about this niche thing about an advert in marketing. Yeah. Okay, now I need to go and find a marketing consultant at yeah. maybe the university, maybe or they can put me in touch, get a phone number for someone, and then, yeah, go to the library, find the book that I need, and pray that someone hasn't ripped <laughs> out the pages. Or pay someone, and then you've got to have the money to get that expertise to... And then what about if it turns out they don't actually know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but I want to say thank you, Jason. Thank for, you. It's about time we set up this podcast. <laughs> and uh, and I look forward to doing a load of these and I look forward to working with you in the future as well. Yeah, I hope definitely. people watching it, listening to this have found it insightful and please leave us comments and get in touch with us. We'll make sure that the email or some way of contacting us is available. Um, we would love to hear more topic ideas mm. and if you've got any questions for us, if you've got any um, anything else you want to talk to us about, please reach out and it's been good. I hope to keep going forward with it. As do I. I'll see you next time, mate. I'm going to shake your hand because I'm glad we actually <laughs> got this going. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Goodbye. TTFN. That was good, mate.